Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Play by Play. It's the Jamie Yarrow podcast. It's the podcast that you rely on for your daily dose of everything from business to wellness to parenting to sports, and you get it all here. We don't just talk about it. We give you the nuggets, all the details. We give you the play-by-play is what we call it. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the power of a customer service-focused culture and how you can separate your organization, your employer, your company from the rest of the pack by delivering a high level of customer service. Let's get ready for today's play-by-play. I am Jammin' Jamie, and kickoff is counting down. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be listening. I am live from the Clophis. That is my closet office, a.k.a. the studio, a.k.a. Play-by-Play's home office. And it is episode number 33-0. Can you believe it? This episode is brought to you by BSKC Soil and Septic. If you're in the river region near us, you need any sort of dirt work, septic tank installation, repairs, pumping, any of that kind of stuff, you're going to want to give them a call. They are a family-owned and operated business, and they're serving you, the customer. Their number one goal is to take care of you. So call Brent or Sandy. Their contact information is in the notes for today's show. I know they would appreciate it. So today we're going to be talking about delivering an unexpected level of customer service in every aspect of your professional life. I want to start off by telling you a story. There's a Japanese restaurant that is near us, and... Uh, I, they're one of those hibachi restaurants, but you can also eat, you know, in a booth where you can, they just bring you your food. They don't have to cook it in front of you. On more than one occasion, we have gone there and received the absolute worst customer service that I can even describe to you. And I have on more than one occasion swore off like this one's off my list, never coming back here. And then, you know, time passes and I try it again and I rem- I'm reminded why I don't go back there. And the interesting thing about that is that time does not fix this. Like time doesn't change it for this place. It is a lack of having an environment where customer service is part of what they want to deliver. And I don't think it's a cultural issue between it because it's a Japanese restaurant I think it's just that they, they just don't have a customer service focus. They, uh, they stay fairly busy, although they're not near as busy as they used to be. And they just don't either don't understand the need or don't care about delivering customer service. And, and so I'm on, I have them scratched off my list again right now. I'm not going back ever again. And so you will see how long that lasts, but, uh, but right now I'm not going back. And, I'm telling you this because if you're a business owner, a failure to deliver customer service can cost you business because I'm not going back to this place. You know, in the future, I believe the the future of sustainable business is going to be those that focus on customer service. I was talking to a friend of mine. He owns a wholesale printing shop. And we were talking about, you know, he's always... On the on the cutting edge of different technologies and quality and speed and all these things, and I was asking him one day what separates his company from other wholesaling print companies, wholesale print companies, and you know I said, is it the technology? Because I know he's always you know high tech, and and is it you know the website? Is it what what is it? 
And he said, no, not really, because, you know, there's a lot of shops that can deliver a high tech uh, environment or high tech printing environment. And there's a lot that can deliver it in a fast manner, you know, one day turnaround or 48 hour turnaround, whatever. There's a lot that deliver a high quality product, but it's the customer service that that separates us from others. And it got me thinking about that, that as time goes on, you know, advancements in technology and, and the availability and affordability of, of different technologies makes businesses on a much more level playing field. They're, they're, they are much more comparable from a quality or speed uh, or technical uh, perspective. But the customer service piece that is solely based on what kind of a culture you're driving internally. So how how are you uh, as an organization, how are you dealing with your customers? You know, how do you handle problems when they come up with customers? How do you uh, how do you handle the customer? Do you do you, is the customer number one? Are you working to exceed their expectations? Or are you just trying to, you know, fill that order and you know move on to the next customer? Today, I want to talk to you about some of the things that I think are important uh, from a customer service perspective, and there's not going to be a ton of them, um, but I want to just wet your taste buds and get you thinking about customer service. And, um, and a lot of these come from you know, me owning my own businesses or me working in a customer service facing corporation um, and, and also just me observing customer service in the public. Because I think, and uh, you know, I'm gonna tell you to talk about this later, but I think that that's one of the best ways that you can learn about uh, delivering a high level of customer service is just paying attention to what's going on around you. So we're gonna, this is gonna be tips by speed dating. We're just gonna rifle through some of these things. So I'm not gonna talk a lot about each one, uh, but you'll get the picture, I think. So uh, when you are dealing with your customers, do you make them feel like they're the only one? Like at that moment in time, does that customer feel like that they're the only customer or the only client that you have? Or do you say things like, you know, I would have called you back, but you know, I had five other clients that I was, you know, trying to take care of. Well, as your customer, I'm, you know, I don't really care about your five other clients. I only care about you dealing with me, right? So you want to make them feel like they're the only customer on the planet. Like, don't make excuses for something that didn't get done because of another customer. You want them to feel like they're the only one that you have. When you are dealing with them, you want to make sure that they feel like that they're your only customer. If you're face-to-face with them, look them in the eye when you're talking. Uh, Be focused on them. Don't try to multitask when you're dealing with your customer. Give them your full attention. When you're on the phone, this can be a big problem because oftentimes we want to try to do multiple things when we are on the phone. We want to try to talk to a customer and also read emails or, uh, you know, uh, type a document or take notes about something or whatever. You want, you want to be focused on that customer because them on the other end can tell whether you are 100% engaged with them or whether you are uh, trying to do two or three things at one time. You ask my wife about this because... So there's times when she'll call me and I'm I'm not being uh, a very good uh, husband on the other end of the phone and I'm trying to do something else at the same time she's trying to talk to me and she can tell that I'm not engaged in the conversation. Uh, I've been accused on more than a handful of occasions while I was on the phone 
with someone where they could hear the keystrokes in the background as I'm typing, you know, responding to an email or something. And I feel like that I'm doing a pretty good job multitasking. I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job handling the conversation on the phone and then also doing something else. But the fact of the matter is that my brain cannot be in two places at one time. I'm not giving either of those tasks my full attention. And at that moment, whoever's on the phone with me deserves my full attention. So think about that next time you're on the phone with somebody or next time you're face-to-face. Give your client your full attention. All right. Uh, speaking of phones, one of my pet peeves, and you may not have any way around this, especially the, the larger organizations, um, but one of my pet peeves is computers that answer the phone. So you know I'm talking about the auto attendants. You don't like when you call a company and you get a automated answering machine, right? Where you have to, the decision trees where press one for so-and-so, press two for so-and-so. You don't like that either. But yet we think sometimes that that's a great idea because maybe it can save a body or maybe it can, we, we justify it in a lot of different ways. I can get the person to the right place without bouncing them around or you know, whatever we use to justify that, the bottom line is it's just not good customer service most of the time. Now, there's times uh, I imagine where it could benefit in some way, uh, but I think that a live person answering the phone is always the best scenario. Uh, you may shoot back at me and say, hey, there's there's this other, there's this time, you know, when this was, a, this is a great application for having a automated virtual receptionist. And there may be some isolated instance, but I think from a customer service perspective, when you can have a person answering the phone, that's the best case scenario. So if you have a receptionist and maybe overflow goes to uh, a um, automated attendant, or maybe you don't have a receptionist at all, if you have control over that situation, maybe just think about whether you could explore the idea of having a live person answer the phone. I think that even with the cost associated with a live person answering the phone, that the level of customer service that you'll get in return will pay you back in customer or client satisfaction. And speaking of phone calls, if you get a voicemail from a client or someone takes a message for you uh, from a client or a customer, and when I say client or customer, I'm just using those those terms interchangeably. So when you get a, a voicemail or a, a message taken from someone, Call that person back the same day if you can. Uh, even if you don't have all the information yet, call them back and say, hey, I got your message. I'm researching it. I'll call you tomorrow. A call back, even to an upset customer, uh, even if you don't have all the information, will help to pacify that situation. When you're upset and you call and you ask to speak to somebody and you don't hear back that same day, it just gives you fuel all night long to stew over that, right? Or maybe it's not even a customer that's upset. Maybe I'm calling to ask a question because I'm interested in your service or a product and I don't hear back from you, then I'm going to go look somewhere else. So call that person back the same day. If you can't get back to them, I know that some places have a policy, like if you call after four o'clock, you know, your call, it'll be returned the next day. Make that clear to the customer when in your voicemail or uh, in the person who's taken the message that, that they're going to get a call back. And if, if, it's, if, if you're supposed to call them back, if it's within the time that you're supposed to call them back, call them back. Even if you have to stay an extra few minutes to make that phone call, even if the phone call says, hey, I don't have all this information yet, but let me call you back tomorrow when I have all my ducks in a row. So it is a great customer service move 
to call back the same day. Uh, when it comes to returning emails, the appropriate etiquette for electronic mail is that you respond within 24 hours. So a client or a customer isn't necessarily looking for a response the same day on an email, but you should respond within 24 hours. If you can respond same day, that's great. But electronic mail should always be responded within 24 hours. Um, if you have posted hours, speaking of the hours that you work, if you have posted hours, follow the hours. There was another restaurant that uh, wasn't far from where we live now, and the hours in the evening were really just a suggestion for them. It really depended on how busy they were. And so, you know, you might uh, show up there and the, the, the hours posted on the door said they would close at eight and you show up at seven and and you go walk in and they say, well, we're about to close. And you're like, well, the, the sign says eight o'clock. Yeah, but we made the decision close because we just don't have a lot of business. If you have posted hours, stick to them. What message are you telling your customer when you don't stay open for the prescribed time that you say you're going to be open? If, if you're going to have a variable hour you know, time frame like that restaurant that I was just mentioning, uh, then put that. Say like, you know, we're going to close, uh, you know, based on business or something. I don't know what you would put. I, I think that's a bad uh, business practice all around. But if you have posted hours, follow them. And if the if your posted hours say you're open till 5 and the phone rings at 4.59, answer it. So your, your focus should be on delivering a high level of service to your customer. When you're talking to your customer, call them by their name. If you're in an organization where you track your uh, your clients, maybe in a uh, a CRM, a customer relationship manager, uh, you know, you have them in a computer a database or something where you have their names. Uh, call that customer by name. You know, what's even a a, a better uh, customer service move is to know their spouse's name. If you're in a service oriented type of an industry where you can say, you know, hey, Bob, it's been, you know, it's nice talking to you today. Uh, how's Sally doing, by the way? You know, you can just say, you can be more personal about it. You even get bonus points if you know something about the kids. You know, how'd little Johnny do in his basketball game the other night? Whatever the case may be. In some businesses, I know that doesn't even apply. But if you have the ability to know about them, their names, their spouse's names, uh, maybe even their birthday, can you make a phone call on their birthday? Can you, can you make a phone call to your clients on their birthday and say, happy birthday. I know that there's a lot of service-oriented uh, professions that can do that. When I owned an insurance agency, um, that was something that was important. You know, you want to reach out to them on their birthday and make sure that they know that you're thinking about them. Uh, and yes, it takes time. And yes, it takes effort. And from a salary perspective, yes, it costs you money to do that. But that is a level of customer service that they're probably not going to get from somebody else. Remember, I've always said this, and, and you've heard me say this before, the successful people are going to do the things that the unsuccessful people are not willing to do. And there's a uh, there's a, a gentleman uh, that's in the insurance and financial services industry that I'm that I know, and he has all of his clients birthdays on his calendar in his phone. And so every day he looks at his calendar and he sees whose birthday it's going to be. And he, and he makes a phone call to wish them a happy birthday. And these are clients that maybe he only talks to them once a year. Um, but he, he'll have clients that he has called for the last 15 years and wished them a happy birthday. Imagine how deep of a client relationship and how 
how much loyalty you can create when year after year you're calling and wishing them a happy birthday and you know their spouse's name uh, and you get bonus points for knowing something about their kids. It's about strengthening that relationship. It's about making that customer service relationship go deeper than what somebody else in your space is going to do. Make exceptions when you can. There's an old saying, and I don't even know where it came from, but it goes like this. Never put rules above reason or policy above people. You might want to write that down. Maybe even put it on a sign in your office. Never put rules above reason or policy above people. The The idea behind that is that common sense is sometimes the best solution, right? Oftentimes we have rules, but sometimes those rules don't fit the certain situation, and Sometimes we can't change it, right? So rules are there sometimes for a reason, and, and, and we can't change that. But sometimes we ought to be able to deviate from that rule to make the customer happy or to take care of the customer. Never put policy above people. Sometimes policies are there because of, you know, uh, there's something that's happened in the past and you have to have a policy for it. But there, there may be times when it's okay to deviate from that a little bit. And sometimes it is that common sense is the best avenue. Uh, If you're in a supervisory role or you own the company or you're in a position where you can help to affect some of these things, allow your people the latitude to make decisions that will benefit the customer. So give them some lanes to stay in. You don't want them just running wild and making all kind of crazy decisions. So give them some boundaries. Give them some lanes that they got to stay in. Help them to understand what the mission is. And then let them go and let them give great service. And if that means that they bend a rule a little bit or they deviate from a policy a little bit, as long as they stayed within the guidelines that you set for them, then they can make that customer happy. They're on the front lines probably, and they're the ones that are dealing with the customers. They're the ones that sometimes know an exception that needs to be made. Give them that latitude, train them, but then give them the latitude and get out of their way and don't you know, respond harshly if they make a decision that would be different than something that you might have done, because they're not always going to decide in the same way that you would. And that's okay. We don't want robots. We don't want people that always think just like us. We don't always have the best ideas. And so we we want people to be able to think. We want people, people to be able to uh, serve a customer in a way that at that very moment seemed most appropriate within the guidelines that you set out for them. And customers can be external or they can be internal, right? Um, sometimes you might have an external customer. Your company may serve people uh, on the outside. We've mentioned some of those already. But what about internal customers? Maybe you are a department that services other departments and you don't have a, a an outside-facing customer. You don't have somebody that, that, that does business with the company, but all of your customers are internal. You should treat those internal customers just like you want the external customers to be treated. If you are in a supervisory role, think about this. Treat treat your people better than you would treat the very customers that you're serving, and then they will deliver a far greater service to the external customers than you can ever imagine. So treat your internal customers just as good, if not better, than your external customers. Your staff, the people that work in that company, the employees, they are the greatest asset that a company has. 
They are the human capital. They are the very thing that you ought to be giving the greatest amount of focus to because that is who's out there serving the external customers. So your internal customers, if you're in a department or a division that serves another part of the company, treat them just like you would an external customer. Give them the same level of service. It doesn't matter that they work for the company. They don't deserve any less of your customer service than an external customer does. Give them a heightened level, exceed their expectations, and then they're going to, in turn, exceed the expectations of the customers. Try me on that. I I guarantee you, you'll see it to be true. Uh, Make hard phone calls when you need to. Go see a client if you have to. Don't push your, your... Uh, problem clients or your difficult clients or the ones that are having some trouble, don't push them off on someone else. Even if you don't like to deal with them, deal with them anyway. I have found that the very best way to deal with an upset customer, uh, a customer who feels like they're, they, they are not getting, you know, a fair shake is to communicate. Open the, the, the dialogue, open the lanes of communication and talk about it. Uh, there's likely been a communication breakdown and, and more than more times than not simply by communicating and understanding what, uh, that customer is going through, you're going to be able to, uh, rectify that situation and make that customer feel uh, a lot better. Now it may not make the problem go away, uh, but, but you may be able to at least salvage the relationship or you may be able to walk away with an amicable resolution or something like that. There's a technique that um, that I learned a long, long time ago. It's called Feel, Felt, Found. You might want to write this down. It's called Feel, Felt, Found. And it goes like this. Uh, if you have a customer, uh, a client that is complaining about something, they've had some bad experience or something like that. So it starts with feel and then felt, found. So I feel... So you want to you want to put yourself in their shoes. You want to empathize with them. So we start with feel, then we go to felt and found. So somebody's complaining about something, and your response is, "I understand how you feel." So I'm putting I'm, I'm empathizing with them. I understand how you feel, and then we go to the next step. I felt the same way when and describe a situation when you felt the same way. If you don't have the same type of a situation, make something up. So feel felt. I feel what you're I feel what you're going through because I have been there. I felt the same way when and then we're going to uh, tell them how we kind of work through it. But I found that when I blah blah blah. I found that when I uh, expressed my concern to the manager, they were able to resolve my situation. Feel felt found. I feel felt found. So that's a great way to diffuse a uh, upset customer or someone who has perhaps experienced some bad customer service or something like that. Feel, felt, found. You'll have to practice it a little bit, but I think you'll find it to be real helpful when you uh, are diffusing a situation like that. And the last thing that I'm going to talk about today is dressing the part. And we'll just touch on this. Um, you may have a dress code. You may Your dress code may be loose. You may have whatever your dress code is. You, you should be dressing to the expectation of the customer, right? So if your customer is someone who wears um, overalls, bib overalls, then you showing up in a coat and a shirt and a tie might not be the most appropriate way to build rapport with that customer. 
Also, on the other hand, if your customer is expecting you to be a little more dressy, maybe a coat and a shirt, button-up shirt, then throw on that coat. Put that bad boy on. Make your customer feel, again, like they're the most important thing to you at that time, like they're your only customer. Anytime that I went to a meeting, I would always throw on at least a jacket. Uh, if, if the meeting was going to be more upscale, I would put on a tie. Uh, and I can always take that stuff off, right? But if I show up to a meeting in uh, shorts and a t-shirt and the customer was expecting me in a jacket and a, uh, and a shirt, I can't fix that. It's too late then. Now, if I show up in uh, a jacket and a shirt and they're wearing a polo, well, that's fine. I can, I can pull my jacket off. No big deal. And there's no harm done. So I'm always an advocate of overdressing and then you can peel off layers if you need to. And again, all those situations, all those circumstances are going to, uh, you know, dictate themselves. So there's never a hard and fast rule there, but just dress the part. Um, Don't allow your dress to distract from customer service. And I think the biggest thing that you can do to help improve the customer service in your space is when you're just going through life, observe what other businesses are doing and learn from them. Take what they're doing, learn from it, apply it to your business, see whether that it can help uh, make a change or improve something that you're doing. Maybe it's a good customer service um, you know, experience that you had and how can you translate that into your space? Or maybe it's a poor customer service experience and you want to make sure that Something like that never happens in your space. Uh, one of the things I always thought would be fun, I even thought about starting a business to do this, was to be kind of a secret shopper, except for customer service, right? So you would go into a place and you would uh, you would uh, evaluate their customer service kind of as a secret shopper. They wouldn't know. You'd just be acting like a regular customer. You're evaluating their customer service. You're evaluating the organization. You're just really kind of getting a feel of it. And then you come back and you write down or, you know, you document kind of the customer service, the, uh, the wins and, and, uh, the challenges that they have in, in delivering good customer service. And then you, you provide that to upper management or the owner of the business. But not only do you do that, because I don't think that's sufficient, because most people, if they knew there was a customer service problem, or most people know that, that the level of service that they currently deliver, that's usually not a shocker. But more times than not, I think the challenge is how do I fix it? So, so part of that would be, you know, delivering that that message back to leadership or the owner of the company or whatever that may be, and then delivering a solution on how to fix the customer service issues that might be present. Maybe even to the to the extent that I would go in there and train their people on how to improve customer service in a particular area of the company. So, uh, I don't know. I think that would be fun. Um, it would be, it's a needful thing. Cause like I said, in the beginning of this podcast, customer service is the way of the future. That's what's going to differentiate people, uh, uh businesses. And, uh, I don't think you can afford from a business owner perspective or from uh, a, a business manager's perspective. I don't think you can afford to overlook customer service. It's gotta be a number one priority within your organization to deliver uh, a level of customer service. That's top notch, that it exceeds the expectations of the customer so that you can always stay out in front of your competition. Well, that's going to wrap it up for me today. A reminder that today's show was brought to you by 
BSKC Soil and Septic. Check their information out in the show notes. They'll be glad that you did. If you have comments or questions for me, I would love to hear from you. My contact information is in the main description of our podcast. Go all the way back to the main description of our podcast and you'll find my email address in there. Also, you can find me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you want to look there, you'll find me. Shoot me a message. Uh, If there's any way that I can help you or your company, would love to uh, be able to do that for you. Thanks for listening today. I hope that something I said today helps you to become a better version of yourself. I am Jam and Jamie, and I hope you have a wonderful day.